Welcome to Streaming Into the Void, where we discuss all the streaming news for the week ending April 30th, 2022. This week, we sift through the wreckage of streaming and search for survivors. I'm Kim Hollis, wondering what I'm going to do with my $2.99 now that I have my CNN Plus refund. Woo! <laughs> I'm rich. Also, Tim Brighty, writer, gamer, and Mr. Irrelevant. That's not true. I, I used that joke last year, but it's always appropriate, despite what Kim says. <laughs> Thank you, though. <laughs> also, David Mumpower, author of Disney Demystified and Entertainment Media Analyst, and who is grudgingly missing the NFL draft for this recording. You don't understand how much this hurts me. I need to know which future Falcons are going to break my heart at some point down the line. <laughs> and the podcast is produced and edited by Raul Burriel, who just might get to buy Roku at $23 a share. I missed it on the way up, but I'm going to catch it on the way down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In our deep dive this week, we continue to feel the shockwaves from the recent seismic news in streaming. Warner Brothers Discovery continues to make cuts and Netflix has joined the bloodbath. To be fair, the cuts at Warner Brothers Discovery weren't all that deep. They have cut all scripted programming at TBS, TNT and True TV, which is to say they cut um, Search Party. Nobody's going to miss that. Technically, it would be Snowpiercer, but they'd already renewed Snowpiercer, so even that's a lie. This whole thing is just them threatening to not record shows they already weren't going to record. It's absurd to think that they think this is going to work for them. They have committed, or David Zaslov, the CEO of Warner Bros. Discovery, as I like to point out, has committed to cutting $3 billion. And I think he must meet these thresholds in order to meet uh, certain uh, bond requirements. And so far, they've fired like four top-level executives and they've canceled a handful of shows. All right, so now they only have to cut $2.9 billion. Good luck, guys. So if Zaslav is making a quarter billion dollars on his own, doesn't it seem like the easiest way to get some of that money? Yeah, that's not going to happen. On the other hand, Netflix has cut their marketing department, specifically the team responsible for the da-dum campaign, which I argue is a smart move on their side. <laughs> but they've also canceled some shows. We already know that Bone, uh, the Jeff Smith comic book, had been canceled after the animation division at Netflix uh, was cut. This makes, I believe, the third, third time that a Bone cartoon has been canceled after previously being slated at Nickelodeon and later on Warner Brothers. Jeff Smith's running out of options here. Who's going to do a bone cartoon? Because we all want one. Also cut, apparently just today they announced that Space Force will not be getting a third season. And a show called Pretty Smart, which stars Emily Osment, only made it to season one. But for fans of Emily Osment, you shouldn't be upset because she's been promoted to series regular on Young Sheldon. So actually, I'd say that's a step up for her. Yeah, that's probably a better deal for her. When we were talking about the trailers for Pretty Smart, we, we said we were sad for her. She yeah. was way too talented for that. It was a bad show. 
it could not even look good in very small doses and trailers, so it needed to go. And Space Force's situation, I do feel like two weeks ago, it had a chance of being renewed. But then after all the budget cuts, they're looking at it, they're going, that's an expensive show that is perfectly adequate. And you know what doesn't make people sign up for subscription services? Perfectly adequate. You need to be really, really good. And Space Force, as much as we like the cast, it's it's not. So a, a lot of what's happening here is kind of a thinning of the herd, not unlike what we've seen at boxes in the last few years, where you have to be something that excels to actually raise the stakes enough where you can move the needle, so to speak. And nothing we're talking about here really does that, although I'm of the opinion that Bone might have. It's just frustrating to watch, especially when we, we've talked about HBO Discovery. We've known this was coming. There isn't a business model that works of, we're going to keep charging you the same price and we're going to provide less content. And that is what this announcement is. With all of the cuts they're doing, they're telling us right now, we're not going to be as good in two or three years as we are right now. Who signs up for that? Nobody. Yeah, we actually talked about this in the pre-show last week, David and I, but it didn't actually make it into the episode. And this is about how Netflix is essentially run by algorithms. It's run by data and numbers, which really doesn't lend itself very well to a creative industry like movie making and, and television making. And so a lot of the creators at Netflix are very frustrated because they really don't understand the decision making. But the decision making at Netflix is very very black and white when it comes to the leadership. If you don't, like David said, move the needle, your show does not get renewed. We've heard stories of creators asking at Netflix, is my show getting renewed? And they get answered with numbers. Well, look at these numbers. It's like, what does that mean to me? If you could read those numbers, you understand. You understand if you're getting renewed or you're not getting renewed. And unfortunately, the creators don't necessarily grasp that. And so that's making for a very tough situation for a lot of the creators at Netflix who are left in this kind of like in between until someone will actually come right out and tell them, you know, sorry, you didn't make the cut. And I'd like to expand on that, that it's not necessarily the creators who don't understand. It might be the quants as well. There's a difference between being able to say, here's a number and being able to add context, what this number represents, what it reflects and what we should infer from the data. And there are a lot of people in the industry right now who have taken this behavior where they hide behind the data rather than showing any sort of leadership or any sort of decision making. They'll just go, well, you know, according to this data right here, you didn't do enough, we should cancel you. Well, that's not very good. I mean, one of the most famous stories on the planet is that testing for many, I mean, like a staggering number of hit TV shows was terrible before the show's aired, and yet people watch them anyway. You need more insight, you need more contextualization, and we're not getting that right now with Netflix. And at some point, I do think it's fair to start wondering when Netflix reconsiders some of the way it's doing business. Ultimately, I think some shows just need that spark that really can't be quantified, but it's really hard to put your finger on it. We we did talk about that during the uh, movie ratings last week where nobody wants to make a bad movie, but whether a movie is a hit or not is really difficult to, to determine. It's hard to put your finger on it. And sometimes things hit that you didn't expect. And sometimes things fail that shouldn't have. But here's, here's a quick tip for Netflix and something that's going to save you some money. Is it cake is cheap to produce. And you know what? If it doesn't have Mikey day, that'll save you a few bucks. <laughs> Here's the scary thought. If you're somebody high up 
in discovery, is it cake is probably your blueprint for what you want to accomplish for the next three or four years. <laughs> that might be their business model as we move forward, which is just so depressing. I could picture someone over at the Food Network right now, an executive at the highest levels going through their grid saying, do we have a show like that? Hold on. Let me see. I, I swear we had a show like that. How do we not have a show like that? Hear me out. Is it Jello? Is it Legos? <laughs> oh God! We, I mean, we we've seen reality slash competition shows on the ratings and do well before, but Is It Cake might be like the best performing one we've ever seen, just because of how stupidly watchable it is. So yeah, that this may be the model going going forward for them. In our rapid fire, there's more bad news for Netflix as the viral Canadian sensation Shits Creek is leaving the streamer for Hulu. I guess this week in licensing nightmares, Shits Creek does not belong to Netflix, of course. It is distributed in the United States by Lionsgate, of all things. But the truth is that it can go to whatever streamer will pay the highest price. And coming soon, that streamer will be Hulu. Netflix has done very well for itself with Shits Creek, and it's unfortunate for them that uh, they won't be holding on to it. It's strange to me how sometimes companies just go through this phase where they can't get a win. And it just seems like every headline that comes out is slightly more negative. And this is a good example. We know how strong a performer this has been because we've been tracking it. And I'm genuinely surprised they allowed Disney to outbid them on this. That is exactly right, David. The The fact is Netflix is not having a bad week. If you just look at the ratings without spoiling anything, Tim will tell you in a few minutes. But Netflix is doing spectacularly well in the ratings. And as you pointed out last week, Netflix didn't lose money in the first quarter. They lost subscribers, but they had a spectacularly profitable quarter. And still, Netflix can't seem to get a win, or at least it has that that perception that I can't get a win. On the other hand, you have a streamer like Peacock, which puts on I, how many how many subscribers did they add this this quarter? Like two million, and still they are unprofitable. But the only thing anyone cares about with Peacock is, oh, hey, you added subscribers. Tell you what, Netflix lost subscribers and made money. Would you rather have a company that makes money or would you rather have a company that loses money? Netflix is making money for you. Meanwhile, Disney has had a change of heart and decided that Love, Victor no longer needs to be exiled to Hulu and will be coming to Disney+. Plus. Take that, Florida. <laughs> I do wonder how much of this is actually a anti-reaction to the gay backlash that we've been seeing and how much of this is uh, maybe just the fact that Disney is slowly, even though they'll never admit it, migrating content off of Hulu. And now that they've added these additional filters and parental controls, they feel comfortable having Love, Victor on the streaming service when before they weren't so comfortable. It can be both things. Memo to uh, the uh, production crew for Lizzie McGuire. Maybe it's time. (laughs) (laughs) And Comcast continues to buddy up with the other cable systems as they launch a joint partnership with Charter. 
this was promoted as a lot bigger of a headline than it really deserves to be. Comcast already has a set-top platform called Flex. This was promoted as a Comcast and Charter are teaming up to come out with a Roku competitor. No, Comcast has had Flex for a good long time now. And in fact, they have a very large installed base. If you are a Comcast cable subscriber and you have a set-top box in your living room, you have a Flex box with all the apps for HBO Max and Apple TV Plus and all the rest. So all this means is that Charter has seen the light and decided that it's join or die. And so they have joined Comcast rather than die. To a bit of a tangent, it looks like smart TVs is where it's at these days. We already knew that Roku had a big footprint with smart TVs. And now that's being chipped away at with Android TV. There's a lot of the smart TVs you get out there, particularly the bargain ones now run Android TV instead of Roku. And Comcast has gotten into that market as well, releasing what they call X-Class TVs, but these are just TVs running the Flex platform. Yeah, Comcast realizes that the days of cable subscriptions are ending and they want to get into the set-top and streaming market. They're in the streaming market, certainly right now with Peacock. And in the set-top market, they feel they need to branch out more than just their regular cable base, particularly as that's shrinking. And so they're, they're getting their Flex boxes out to anyone who will pay for it. I give them a lot of credit. This is the best possible move for them to be making here in 2011. It is really forward thinking of them to understand <laughs> what's going to happen over the next decade. And wait, it's 2022. <laughs> oh, yeah, this, this is a pointless non-story. And it's just the only people this is going to affect are the ones going to have to explain to their grandparents. Well, this is like a Roku for you. That's it. This is... <laughs> There is no market penetration involved here, and it's just two dinosaurs screaming at each other as the comet strikes. Hey, Tim, why don't you take us into the ratings? Okay, so we have the Nielsen streaming ratings for Monday, March 28th to Sunday, April 3rd, 2022. And to the surprise of absolutely nobody, the top watch show is Bridgerton. 3.2 billion minutes. That's that's good. Probably we were wondering if we would hit that 4 billion mark. I think expectations were a little too high uh, after, say, like Ozark hit it and, and so, uh, some other shows. But that's that's about what the that was the peak of the first season, this this number around around there. So I, I guess we shouldn't be surprised, but that's still really great. I think our expectations aside. The other thing we should be keeping in mind, this was a late March time frame. Mm-hmm. not a holiday time frame. So the constraints, the parameters were different. And also people, you know, could go outside safely and interact with one another again. So all things considered, it's a different time frame. And so for me, this is every bit as impressive as the original Bridgerton performance. It's just, oh, sure. we might have gotten a little bit enthusiastic about it and possibly expect too much. Yep. And second, we still have The Last Kingdom uh, showing some pretty decent staying power, 714 million minutes. So a big drop off after Bridgerton. No other big splashes this week, but still fine. Third, Is It Cake? Our our favorite show and the future of Netflix, 607 million minutes in third for eight episodes. Fourth, Inventing Anna, uh, nine episodes, 452 mil- million minutes, still holding on very well. But here's a good one in fifth from Disney Plus, Moon Knight, with just one episode, just the premiere, 418 million minutes. So it had most of the week. It premiered on March 30th. 
but that's a lot of anticipation for this this show. If that many people for just one episode, that's a huge number. I had to look up uh, how long it was. According to Disney Plus, it says it's 48 minutes long. So that was that's a lot of eyeballs, a lot of watching, a lot of rewatching for just one one episode. So I'm curious if people will stick with it and what sort of numbers it's going to to do over the next month. Uh, and six, we have Pieces of Her from Netflix, 294 million minutes. Uh, Ozark still hanging on, 250 million minutes in seventh. Amazon's Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, 242 million minutes. And something new in ninth, Get Organized with the Home Edit, 241 million minutes. Watch for 16 episodes. The second season of this dropped on the first, which was Friday. So that's a, a three-day number for that. To this, uh, I, I know, I know one person personally who was like super excited for it. So that's 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 probably why it's here. It seems like that's the longest title possible. And also it either has like one word too many or three words too few. Yes, I, right? I, yeah, like almost need, it needs like a subtitle. There needs to be like a, a more punctuation in there or yeah, more words or fewer words. Yes, exactly. I looked that up and because I, I was so confused. I was wondering, did it get cut short? Was it the home edition or, or <laughs> the home edit of Get Organized? No, it's I guess a website called The Home Edit. And and it's about getting your life organized. Okay. Apparently they they well, get celebrities involved too, because looking at the first season, which came out in September 2020, they had Reese Witherspoon, Khloe Kardashian, Eva Longoria, Neil Patrick Harris. I don't know exactly what they do from there, whether apparently they organize, but people, enough people watched it to, to have it land, land here with just three days of, of numbers. And we wrap up Originals with the show that we saw once before when it premiered, it's Dropout from Hulu, uh, but only 190 million minutes for its seven episodes. This feel, I feel like this should have done better. Tim, this is something you tell us all the time, but I'd say this is this is good for Hulu. Yes, I was actually I was going to add that the fact that it's a non, it's if you're not on Netflix, you're we're grading you on a curve. Yeah. So yeah, the fact that it's here is pretty good. There is but, one more episode to go, so because it is a pretty soft number uh, for the originals this week, so I I don't know if we'll see it next week. I'm going to guess no. So hey, that's good for Hulu but that's still not not that great overall. It seems to be clawing its way back into the top 10 as the series concludes. There is that one more episode, maybe that eighth episode puts it back into the top five. Uh, that seems awful ambitious, but I think it'll, we probably will get a little be low 200s, whether that's good enough for the top 10 next week. I, we can't say because of how, how wildly varying these charts can be. Yeah. I mean, we get, we do tend to get that if it's not a Netflix series where they, they drop the, the whole thing and it's released week by week, there is a slight bump when they do, uh, when a finale comes out the, the week it comes out as people will just watch it then. And then that's, that's kind of it. So maybe, but I'm not holding my breath to for it next week. So in movies, and we are back to all, all is right with the world again, because your top movie is once again on Kanto, 744 million minutes. Yay. I can oh. hear Kim screaming in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, there, there she is. Okay. Yes. Back on top after a, a, a brief break by Turning Red and, and the Adam Project. So we can talk about Bruno again. Yes. Or we yes. can't. I'm we not can't, sure. You can't, you can't talk about Bruno again. Yes. <laughs> still at second is Turning Red, from, also from Disney Plus, 650 million minutes. Also yay. Also yay. Yep. So hold, holding on, I'm, I'm still way more curious to how that holds over the next, say, month as compared to Encanto, which will probably never leave this list ever. Sorry, parents, but it's, <laughs> it's going to happen. Um, if you didn't already hate this movie, you, you will soon. Uh, the Adam Project, which was the top movie last week, that's in third, 475 million minutes. 
that's a bit of a drop after it's on, on the top, but you know, like still good for Netflix. They still they're still looking for those big movie wins. They, you know, they they have their series, they have their their shows. They 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 want people to get excited for the move for the movies. I think now with their if they're panicking about uh, the whole budgets and whatnot, maybe that's that's not going to happen anymore. But they are still de- desperately looking looking for 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 franchises. In my opinion. Meanwhile, in fourth, here's something new: uh, the bubble, 283 million minutes. Um, we sounded really excited for this when we talked about it on what's new, but um, <laughs> it had really bad reviews. Turns out it sucked, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've still talked about launching it, but it's like we'll pull up the picture <laughs> and we'll kind of look at each other and like. I've been expecting you guys. Yeah, you were like so hyped for it, and I was like, wait, are they going to talk about? It? Have they watched this yet? No, and no, no. no. Yeah, this is uh, of course, and Tim, it's the bubble. Bubble 2022. The bubble 2020, 2022. Yes. Because there is there is a bubble in 2021 as well. And that's a okay. different movie. But okay. this this is the Judd Apatow comedy about people filming a movie during the pandemic in a COVID bubble. And we might want to use air quotes around comedy because Inigo Montoya left a better review of the six-fingered man than we're seeing for this. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, funnily enough, there is also a 1966 movie called The Bubble that's going to be on Mystery Science Theater 3000 later this season that is apparently absolutely uh, atrocious. So yes, the, at least, at least the, the year here is justified. But yeah, there was a, there was a 2021 movie called The Bubble. Uh, we have something new in fifth, and it's a mild mystery because this is Sing 2, allegedly on Amazon, 245 million minutes watched, but we're not entirely sure that's, our, that's correct. It could be Sing 2, but if it is, it's buy or rent you cannot watch it on amazon prime video right now and we're pretty sure that these charts do not include premium video on demand right now so this is unusual unless and david you don't think this is possible that maybe it was on there for for free for like a week or something Nothing I'm reading is saying that it was available anywhere for streaming other than... Uh, other than to pay for it, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the I'm alternative sorry. is that maybe it's not actually Sing 2 and that this is actually another movie that in fact got put in here by accident under the label Sing 2. Uh, right. Tim, there was some sort of issue with Nielsen this week, correct? Yeah, briefly. They had, when, when the charts updated, which is typically on Thursdays, they had stuck a couple of acquired series in the original list, which made no sense because Seinfeld is definitely not an original series by Netflix. There was one other show there, Good Girls as well. That was corrected. I do recall seeing Sing 2 there before it updated. I'm actually inclined to believe that they are counting premium video on demand. And and this is because this is exactly the type of thing that would show up there once once it was available on on streaming. We've discussed it before, and I don't remember in what context it was, but this is the, also the only place that you can watch Sing as well, at least as far as the major streaming services go, is on Amazon Prime by paying for it. So you got me as to what exactly is going on, but this is this is weird, and it's it just drove us all momentarily insane uh, as to <laughs> so we tried to figure out exactly what this is. But I, I'm inclined to believe it really is Sing too, and yeah, it, despite the fact that. A subscription does not get you this movie. You have to you have to pay to watch it. I could buy that in the same sense that they accidentally mixed up their acquired and originals charts. We know that VOD charts exist and that maybe somehow they mixed up their VOD charts with their streaming movies charts because, yes, Sing2 is doing very well on VOD. If you look at any of the VOD platforms like iTunes or Vudu, it's right up there at the top. So yeah, I could see how maybe... It's the type of thing that would make it... It did pretty well in, in theaters when it was, was out, not to the level of Sing. 
which is understandable. But I, I wouldn't have been surprised if, uh, if this was on, on Prime normally. I would have been like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. And it's a little bit of a puzzler, but I, I'm pretty sure that's that's what it is. And I'm also convinced that Nielsen does some extrapolation from from the viewing samples they have to to give us these million, you know, these numbers that are in the hundreds of millions. And this is who we are as analysts right here. We have just spent 10 times as much time talking about a film that made one tenth as much of viewing as Bridgerton, because that's how our minds work. Yep. Uh, So in sixth is Shrek Forever After, 242 million minutes. And since we've now turned the calendar to a new month in our our ratings, I had to pull up what showed up on Netflix on April 1st. And one of the movies, yes, was Shrek Forever After. For some reason, the first and second showed up in the beginning of March. uh, And then here is the fourth one at the start of April. For some reason, Shrek the Third, nowhere to be found. And now with the benefit of time, I have to say this title kind of reads like a threat, doesn't it? <laughs> Mike Myers has a show coming out, so maybe if this doesn't do well, there'll there'll be more Shreks. Oh no. <laughs> In seventh, Moana from Disney Plus, 179 million minutes. Eighth, Shrek Classic, the original one, 153 million minutes in eighth. <laughs> in ninth, this is this is new. Trust no one, the hunt for the crypto king, 139 million minutes. We definitely talked about that. We did it, Kim. You did it. Yep. Yes. Yeah. You and I, we watched, David and I watched it. So obviously <laughs> we got it on the chart. All right. Actually, I fell asleep while we were watching it. So I had to watch like part of it later. So maybe, maybe we did. And in a tie in 10th, Cheaper by the Dozen from Disney Plus, also 139 million minutes to wrap up movies. But hold on. So these charts run from Monday <laughs> to, to Sunday. The Sunday prior to the March 27th, a movie won an award. And we assumed that we'd see it uh, on the chart once the Oscars happened. But I guess everyone was so preoccupied with, you know, Will Smith slapping Chris Rock that nobody watched Coda on Apple TV Plus and it did not make the ratings this week. Honestly, I kind of think that the whole Will Smith debacle did overshadow the Coda story, which would have been a really, really wonderful story and a great, happy movie for people to watch. My mom loved it. I think it's, you know, one of those movies for the people. It could have been something, but no. Will Smith, he killed it. Yeah, I, I do think there probably was an effect, but yeah, just an, enough to even to not even crack 139 million minutes. Because still to this to this day, the only Apple TV Plus show or movie we've ever seen has been Ted Lasso. And this this is we always I always say the bottom of the movies list is always a really soft number. So we we definitely thought we'd see Coda, but yeah, Will Smith, you ruined everything. Is it just the fact that is it that it's on Apple TV Plus? Was it if it was on Netflix, would the same thing? You know, would we have would we have seen it if it was a more quote commercial film would would we have 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 seen it so i mean we we won't know at this point but i'm i'm just really surprised that it's not here all right meanwhile in acquired it is 10 shows that we've seen before had i saved the initial list we would have had a top 12 which would have been moderately exciting <laughs> would have been weird <laughs> would have been yeah but I, I i did not screenshot the acquired list before they they updated it because they had moved Seinfeld and Good Girls, two originals. Um, <laughs> but it's but it's still led by NCIS, 653 million minutes. Uh, those two, three new episodes of Cocomelon finally hit, but not enough to get it to number one, 634 million minutes. Uh, other than that, uh, Call of the Midwife, which we saw for the first time last week, is in 10, 304 million minutes. David's always happy when Bluey's here, 351 million minutes. And it's a bunch of the, the other than that, the some of the, most of the usual suspects, Criminal Minds, Grey's Anatomy, Heartland, Seinfeld, Supernatural shows with just a billion episodes each. As a math person, what really makes me happy this week is that there are 328 million minutes watched of Supernatural, which has 328 episodes. (laughs) 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 
Uh, yeah, that's that's all I've got for this week. We are seeing how dominant Bridgerton will be. Maybe there's a small chance we can still see Coda, but uh doesn't look good. But yeah, that's Mm-mm. that's that's all I got for this week. All right. As always, we close out the show with what's been keeping us busy this past week. And I am happy to inform everybody that the friendly, and that is spelled F-R-N-D-L-Y app is available on Roku now. And on that app, you can dial up, as the old folks say, MeTV as the old folks watch, which is also good for countless MASH episodes. But The Shining Jewel is Spinguli. I started watching back when this aired on a network called WFLD-TV out of Chicago. And at that time, it was called Son of Spinguli because the person who took over took over for a different Spinguli. And that person is named Rich Kaz, who now, oh Lord, more than 40 years later, still plays this character named Sven, the host of a weekly airing of any number of amazing classic horror films. Sometimes they are super cheesy and sometimes they are actually really good. Things like Dracula and some true well-regarded classics, the Universal Pictures. Either way, he does silly skits before and after the commercial breaks. Yes, there are commercial breaks. Sorry, everybody. And he is a beloved character throughout the Midwest and beyond, thanks to WFLD's sort of reach back in the 70s. It made it all the way to Central Illinois and the 1980s as well. And on MeTV over the last slightly more than a decade. So grab your rubber chicken, add the friendly TV app to your Roku, and settle in for the cheesiest Saturday night imaginable. And let me just say on a personal note how much easier this makes my life because Kim (laughs) has had me tying rabbit ears to a TiVo and having us point the antenna all across the damn state trying to get a signal that would actually work. (laughs) We have TiVo recordings of this show. I'm not joking. That are like a blank space for 10 minutes and then 20 seconds of signal and then blank space again. <laughs> and she's happy because that's how much she loves Spinguli. Yep. When we recorded this show on Saturday nights, I used to have it on in the background while we watched because the antenna works really well in the room where I record. But now I don't have to worry about it anymore. Okay, Raul, how about you? On Saturday night, I had the option to watch a variety of different shows and catch up on some stuff. There's a handful of movies I've missed over the last few months and some TV shows that I really want to watch. And ultimately, I just couldn't get my mind off of Bob Odenkirk's Nobody, which I found on HBO Max. This one came out during the pandemic and it played kind of like an art house movie. At the time, I didn't think it would really be of any interest to me. I thought, oh, it's going to be, you know, very introspective and arty in its style. In the end of all the things I could have watched on Saturday night, boy, am I glad I watched Nobody. Mm -hmm. It's Uh, so good. (laughs) He's so good. You could call it an art house movie, but it is an art house movie with uh, shootouts and fistfights and car chases. It is just this brutally violent action movie about a dad who's 
fighting it out with a Russian mob. I mean, there's some depth to it. There's uh, there's always going to be the uh, dark backstory. There's some great elements in it. Christopher Lloyd puts in an appearance as the father of Bob Odenkirk's mm-hmm. Hutch. And you see him early in the movie and he's there for like two <laughs> minutes and you think, oh, okay, well, what a what a sad end to Christopher Lloyd's <laughs> career that, you know, he's playing the old dad in the senior's home. Uh, no. Oh. That is... <laughs> That is not what Christopher Lloyd does in that movie, but I'm going to leave it to you to find out for yourselves. If you have not seen Nobody, it's playing on HBO Max. Go and watch it. It's a fun ride. All right, Tim, how about you? Uh, So the newest Magic the Gathering set came out recently. And unlike most sets that have been released during the pandemic for the first time in a long time, I played in the paper pre-release for it. It's called Streets of New Capenna. They are kind of running out of ideas for sets because this takes place in it. It's a very, it's like a crime mob themed type set. And it's a very fun environment, what what, what they did. And then the flavor of a lot of the cards is actually very, very entertaining. But it it was fun to actually, play the new cards in person for the first time rather than online, which they addressed players' complaints that the sets now come out online before they came out in, in paper. So they they held the online release back a week for it. Uh, but it was it was definitely a lot of fun. I didn't didn't do great because I'm I was a little rusty in my playing skills, I guess, and I wasn't thrilled exactly with the cards I opened, but it was definitely enjoyable. Everyone at the game shop was was having a, a lot of fun with it and, and the cards are uh, the cards are are interesting. So yeah it, it is online now and I will probably be firing up Arena again for the first time in, in a while to, to to check it out to see what's what's working, what's not working with the with these cards and they uh, several of them went into my commander decks, which is which is always always fun to update update those and, and play those and, and try those out because that's that's really the most fun way to play Magic right now is the the commander format. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that, and that's all I've got for for this week. All right, David, how about you? So Kim and I finally watched the last episode of the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel for mm-hmm. season four, and I mean, Kim, what did you think? I thought it was terrific, and I I didn't want to keep talking after I talked about Spinguli, but <laughs> Raul talked about his being, you know, thinking that the women on the show, the two primary characters, make dumb choices. And I hate to say that I would probably make the same dumb choices as Midge. Maybe not so much the others, but yeah, I would at that age. Yeah, same, same, same. So I loved it, and I thought that the dialogue they do with the... <laughs> I don't know what to describe them as the organized crime gentleman. Yes. <laughs> it is remarkable how charming that duo is. And it is just an Amy Sherman Palladino, Daniel Palladino special where they can introduce the most random characters and just make you adore them in a short period of time. And I'm operating in the assumption that if you trust Kim and my opinions and Raul's opinion, any, you've already watched all four seasons of The Marvelous Ms. Maisel. So I'm going to suggest that you take this opportunity to go on Hulu and to watch the middle show, the one that doesn't get talked about as much. After there was the Gilmore Girls and before there was the Marvelous Ms. Maisel, there was one delightful 18-episode season of Bunheads. And Bunheads, Kim will back me up, deserved a much better fate. Yes, and I'm very partial to Bunheads, having grown up in a dance environment 
but yes, it is really incredible. And Sutton Foster is just absolutely wonderful on that show. And one of the things you'll notice when you go back and watch that show is that you'll notice a couple of the people who are also now in The Marvelous yeah. Ms. Maisel. One of them was actually a star of the Gilmore Girls, so it's not a surprise. But the other one, it just shows you how much respect they have for this young actress's ability that they've created a new character for her. And in fact, she played a part in each of the past four seasons of The Marvelous Ms. Maisel, even though they didn't have a place for it any of them, they kept finding ways to bring her back because they admire her that much. It is brilliant storytelling, and it is probably the most whimsical of her three series thus far, and it is infuriating to me that Freeform canceled it after only one season. It was absolutely inexcusable, and I know it worked out for the best because she angrily stormed off to Amazon, and that's worked out well for everyone, but this is a show that deserved a better fate, and you really should take time to watch these 18 episodes of television. Thank you for listening to Streaming Into the Void. Please consider subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we welcome your feedback. Remember that we're on social media at Streaming Void and online at StreamingIntoTheVoid.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider rating us and giving us a review in your favorite podcast player. Be sure to watch for us again next week. 